mysteries, mysteries. Mysteries Inc. Mysteries Inc. Mysteries Inc. Welcome to Mysteries, Inc. I'm Joe. I'm Spring. Nice to have you guys back again. And we're going to talk to you about some weird stuff today. Heck yeah. So, let's figure out who's going first. Alright. We're doing <laughs> shoot though, right? Yes. This time? Okay. okay. Rock, Rock, paper, scissors, scissors shoot. shoot. Oh! oh again. Alright, I guess I'm going first again. Beat her with the rock. <laughs> Alright. <laughs> <laughs> well, that sounded worse than I meant to do. I'll go with some of our stories at times. <laughs> All right. So today I'm going to talk to you about like an early 20th century uh, tale from the Netherlands. Although the uh, the author himself actually isn't from the Netherlands. Okay. I think he had some probably some uh, ancestry there because he it is something he actually talks about a lot, but or writes about a lot. But he also wrote stuff um, about Japan. Korea, China, uh, Swiss. Well, she okay. He, so he liked yeah. the genre. Uh, the author is uh, William Elliot Griss, born 1843 and died 1928. And so uh, he's born in Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania to a sea captain. Okay. Um, he fought in the the Civil War on the, the Union side. Okay. And interestingly, he he actually when he was in I didn't write down the the college, but whatever college, he tutored a a young samurai. Wow. Yeah. Kusabi Kusakabi Taro, who nice. uh, couldn't find a ton on, found his original name, but yeah, not that important. But, but it was, yeah, really interesting. And it was right as uh, Japan was starting to modernize. And so because of this, he actually got like a golden opportunity to go to Japan. Yeah. And teach. Yeah. Uh, like, a oh, Rutledge College, that's where he was at. Rutledge? Ooh. Yeah. And so he got to go to Japan, like, as it was modernizing. He okay. was, like, part of that. And so it was that kind of really cool part in history where it was, like, samurai steampunk. <laughs> yeah, the Victorian era right next to, The like, traditional uh, yeah, atmosphere, yeah. Traditional okay. uh, samurai. It was pretty interesting. Uh, so anyways, the story of his we're going to talk about today is The Boy Who Wanted More Cheese. And frankly, <laughs> we're from just, Wisconsin. Right, exactly. Uh, catching where you're going with this. I couldn't help, I was just like, well that's, <laughs> I gotta read about that one. So, Klaus van Brommel was a Dutch boy, 12 years old, who lived where cows were plentiful. He was 5 feet high, weighed about 100 pounds, and had rosy cheeks. His appetite was so good that his mother declared that his stomach had no bottom. Pretty much a stereotypical teenager, yeah, uh, or Dutch boy. They they describe him. He's you know got the the kind of like bell or uh, I forget they called him almost like bell bottomy looking yeah. uh, overalls and wooden shoes and, and was, <laughs> so like exactly how you'd imagine them or seen them in the yards of people like yeah, the little Dutch kind of the Dutch boy yeah thing. yeah like the paint com- can thing <laughs> <laughs> actually I you know having a, a van last name. Um, in high school, I, I'd come across like a weird, like, uh, slur for lack of a better word. It wasn't really racist, but, yeah. um, 
upon hearing my name, Kat's grandmother yeah. said something about wooden shoes. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> yeah. I, didn't, I didn't quite get it. And later, I think it was Sean, maybe it was Kat who told me, um, oh yeah, she's, it's like, she really likes to classify people, like, everyone as their race. Oh my and, god, it's and, like you uh, were classified as a because... wooden shoe, and apparently her stereotype of wooden shoes is that they're, they're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> and she wasn't trying to be mean, it's just kind of one of those, uh, oh, it's just how old-timer her, yeah, things, and just, and she, it, it, there was no malice in it, although I would be curious to see what would happen if I was, uh, you know, something else. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, uh, so we got a little Dutch boy. Little Dutch boy. Yeah, back to class. So he's a farmer's boy. He had three sisters, and for every day they had rye bread, fresh milk for breakfast, at dinner time, uh, cheese and bread, and they'd get a plate heaped with potatoes, boiled potatoes. And nice. this this little, little guy would uh, just dip them, like coat them in butter, and just eat them. And they, in the story they call it Down the Red uh, the Red Lane, which, yeah, uh, something that just creeps <laughs> Down me Down the Red Lane. <laughs> but the thing he wanted was use always <laughs> more cheese. Oh, it just could not get enough cheese. Um, and so, during dinner, he'd be dipping these potatoes long after everyone else would finish, and his mother would calm her little buttercup. Uh, despite <laughs> him not being so little. I mean, I guess for five feet, a hundred pounds isn't bad. Um, uh, maybe... It's, I don't know. It's, it's a growing boy. I'm okay, not going to fat shame. Gotcha, but, he gotcha, eats... but that's heavy carbs. That's heavy carbs and cholesterol, just saying. Yeah, that's a lot. That, that butter. Uh, <laughs> butter is my weakness. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, so she was his butter, or he was her buttercup. <laughs> and his, his three uh, sisters Mother. were his mother's little orange blossoms. And so... One night during dinner, uh, his mother scolded him because he was bugging his sisters for cheese. He was just a little cheese hound. Just give me, <laughs> give me some new cheese. And he had convinced them, and so he was being a, a greedy little <laughs> little cheese hound. And his mother scolded him. She didn't send him off to bed with nothing else to eat, but she was, you know. Yeah, like, leave your sisters alone. That's being snack. a sensitive little guy, though, he moped around and went to bed. But then his stomach was just so full of cheese, it felt like... His, just full of lead. And so, you know, you know, they say about going to bed on too much cheese. I don't know why it's cheese, but uh, <laughs> supposedly cheese gives you weird dreams. But yeah, so as he's dozing off in his little uh, loft thing up there, there's an open window that they keep open during mm-hmm. the, the uh, summer to let the, the breeze in. He can smell the nice pine air, and he's dozing and looking out that. Sees this little light, and it gets closer and closer. Thought it was a firefly, but it... Stayed lit. As the blue fairy. And She's going to turn him back into a wooden boy. <laughs> <laughs> no. So it gets closer. It looks like a hundred fireflies grouped together. Because it's okay. so big and bright. And as it gets closer, he thinks it, it resembles like a um, like a young girl. Yeah. And he's like, what? And it's, he hears whispering. So he's like, what? I, I laughs at himself. I must be crazy. Yeah. And then it starts talking. And says, there's plenty of cheese. Come with us. Oh, no! (laughs) Whoa. Could this be? And he's like, you know, you've heard people tell of the ladies in the wood that whispered and warned travelers. (laughs) And again, 
There's plenty of cheese. Come with us. This is the origin of how Wisconsin became a state. <laughs> <laughs> Leading some poor little Dutch boy off into the woods with a promise of cheese. <laughs> oh, there's got to be beer in there, though. <laughs> it came after. First the cheese. <laughs> Spoiler. It was actually Charlie Barron's. He's 300 years old. <laughs> yeah, dare. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, he's, you know, some little glowing lady yeah. tells him there's cheese. Offering him cheese, he's That's gonna go. normal, I'm, <laughs> I'm down. We're so, going. threw on some clothes, climbed out there, and, uh, so he gets outside, and he just sees a whole circle, and there must be, like, dozens of these things. So he's like, what the heck? And they just keep saying, come dance with us, plenty of cheese here, plenty of cheese here, come, oh come. <laughs> And they pull him into their circle, and it's just more and more of them come till there's like hundreds of them. And they they ask him to dance, and so he dances, and they do this kind of this weird like Dutch festival dance. It okay. sounds like like old world line dancing, basically. And they dance and dance until the, the sun starts coming up. There's the first light in the sky, and he's so tired he just lays down. And that's when they all start showing up with cheese. I don't know why they waited so long. To <laughs> He went, he went with them for the cheese, and he danced for hours with no cheese. Ah, sucker! We made you exercise. It's a Zumba class. Well, he had to get hungry for cheese. I don't know. Although he's already full of cheese. So, anyways, they start bringing him cheese, and they come. And they're cutting off slices with a golden knife, and uh, he's it's like the best cheese Making he's ever it had. Rain. Oh, and he's just sitting there being fed cheese by these little glowing ladies, and then. They start just coming from every direction and bringing yeah. all these cheeses. Like I didn't write down the names because I didn't really Swiss's care. And the Swiss's and Gouda's and Asiago's. Yeah. It was mostly like weird little Dutch areas. They're okay. like, oh, this cheese and this cheese, and they're, so they're bringing cheese from every corner of the country. And he can't eat it fast enough, so they just start stacking them up. And there's like wheels of cheese, like you know, as big as him basically. And they just keep bringing it and towering higher and higher. And he's getting full of cheese. Yeah. And he tries to tell them to stop, but they don't understand him. They just shove him cheese in his mouth. And dear Lord, uh, it's, this is just turning into a he's catastrophe. Blow. And he sees the cheese tottering, and one tower tumbles into the other, and then all just starts falling. And as he's like crushed by the cheese, all of a sudden he wakes up. Ah, he's in the grass, and his clothes are covered in dew. And the the sound of the fairies is now it's just these. All these birds around him. There's a chicken yeah. over there. and What? And the, the clock tower has gone off, and he's got a bunch of chewed up grass in his mouth. Oh my god. So <laughs> he was like sleepwalking to dream about cheat. He did. Well, he doesn't this- know if it was... If it was uh, a, How much fucking grass he, did he eat? Who knows? <laughs> oh my uh, god! But apparently, I mean, he doesn't think it was a dream. He just wonders at the. He tells no one. But yeah. He wonders at the end of all this if the fairies left him because it was morning, or because the cheese fell on him. <laughs> <laughs> That's what he's concerned about. That's. <laughs> I know. Wow. Not why he had grass in his mouth. I don't know. No. Uh, yeah. Wow. But his, yeah, his little shame walk out there. <laughs> Wakes up in his wet pajamas with grass in his mouth. <laughs> We've all been there. We've, yeah. Yeah, I followed some fairies of quite uh, a distance. <laughs> followed the rum fairy and woke up and, yeah, never mind. <laughs> oh, oh, that so was good. It's just kind of one of those lessons, like, too much of a good thing can be bad. 
And, I gotcha. Uh, don't be That's greedy. Not bad. Don't uh, eat your sister's cheese. And don't be bad. a cheese monster. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Something every Wisconsinite needs to hear. I think this should be put into the lore of Wisconsin as like how it became founded. Like some poor boy from Pennsylvania, you know, like dreamt about cheese. Well, this and was happened in the Netherlands. I know, but, but supposedly takes place in in Pennsylvania. Uh, uh, t- uh, takes place in the Netherlands. Next time he sleep sleepwalks himself onto a ship destined for the Americas and forges forward until he finds the Great Lakes. It'll be like his early to late teens, he's gonna the boy who wanted two or more beer. <laughs> and that's how he's gonna wind up and in Wisconsin. And then he found sausage. <laughs> <laughs> Alright. I have been on a saint kick. I know. But it's mainly because they, there's a there's a lot of stories about them because a lot of stories back in the day kind of revolved around the church. They documented a lot more than just regular peasants who didn't have the ability. Right. They and, were the, the, the literate. And the, the stories tend to be sometimes really fantastical and sometimes like, you know, mundane. But like they normally have something incredible that happens that makes these people stand out. And this one, I kind of... Got interested in because not only is her story pretty impressive, but right now with a lot of the stuff, not to get too into stuff, but like well, with all the stuff going on with Russia and Ukraine and everything, this story actually uh, centers around the uh, origin, like the beginning of the Russian-Ukraine, uh, uh, Belarus kind of area, like their origins. Okay. All right. Interesting. And it revolves around this woman called Saint Olga. She's also known as Saint Olga of Kiev. Is it pronounced Kiev? Am I going to say it wrong? I think it's the capital. Kiev. Kiev? All right. And then, Kiev is the way Russians say okay, it. Okay, so Kiev. I will say it there. You know. <laughs> After she was baptized, she was known as St. Helga or Helena or Elena. Um, she's a saint in the Eastern Orthodox Church, and she's known to be equal to the apostles. Oh. So pretty, like, significant in their thing. She was born upper in... Upper management. Yes, yes. <laughs> high upper management. She was born in 890 and died in 969. So she lived like about 70 years. Pretty decent. Yeah, especially her dead. feast day is July 11th, so it passed, and she's the patron saint of widows and converts. Hmm. Okay? Okay. Now we get into the fun part, because who she was before she was baptized is rather brutal and awesome, and I love it. I, I'm a... I love strong women in history, and I think that Russia has a history of producing very strong female leaders. I mean, look at Catherine the Great. She was pretty amazing. She rose them up pretty high in an economy. And then now Olga, all right? So Olga is believed to be of Viking descent, known as the Varangian Varangian kind of area. It's the northern uh, Russia area. Um, And... She was born in the northern part of Russia in the city of Pleskov. She was wed to a guy named Igor. Igor, is his father, established the capital of Kiev. Oh, okay. In the area wow. currently known as Ukraine, Russia, and Belarus. She was wed to this guy before she was even 16. And they, had, they were known as the um, Kievian Rus. All right? And they had a son, uh, Svatoslav, I want to say, is his name. <laughs> 
Svat, Svat, uh, Slav, I think. Uh, sorry, I'm really apologizing for my butchering of it. Um, <laughs> he would become the Grand Prince of Kiev and in 945, and he'd be the greatest Viking, Viking prince of the early Russian Ukrainian history. And he was the last pagan leader of the oh, country wow. before, despite his mother's best efforts to get him baptized. He just said he couldn't do it because he'd be laughed at if he did. He thought he would be. Anyways, <clears throat> there had been some trouble brewing by a local call, tribe called the Drevlins located in northern Ukraine. The Drevlins were not paying tribute anymore to Igor and his Ooh. tribe, so they were paying it protection to a different money. local warlord. Yeah, okay. tributes are payment protections. So Igor went to the village and he demanded that they pay up. Them seeing like the large army come upon them, they immediately paid up and Igor was getting ready to leave. And as they were heading out, he was looking through what they paid and he thought it was a little on the skimpy side. Like they kind of owed him a little bit more. So he took a smaller group of guys, went back to demand his, what he, demand more. Well, that was his mistake because when he went back, they actually jumped him and his men, and they uh, captured him, they beat him up, and they tied him to a tree and tore him into two pieces. Damn. No, no, no. No, there is a quote on how, because there was apparently this uh, uh, bard who had documented a lot of uh, Olga's history, okay? So apparently they had bent down two birch trees to the prince's feet and tied them to his legs wrote the Benzian chronicler Leo the Deacon. Then they let the trees straighten again, thus tearing the prince's body apart. Wow. All right? Brutal. So upon Igor's death, Olga became the first female leader of Russia. Her son at the time and the rightful heir was only three. So he wasn't of age to be or sound, you know, to be able to take over the kingdom. And so she ended up filling the role until, you know, he was old enough. The Drevlins, not missing an opportunity, sent about 20 messengers by boat to not only announce that they were responsible for her husband's death, but to propose that she marry their prince, their leader, Prince Mal. Olga sent this as her response, and I quote, Your proposal is pleasing to me. Indeed, my husband cannot rise again from the dead, but but I desire to honor you tomorrow in the presence of my people. Return now to your boat. And remain there with an aspect of arrogance. I shall send for you on the morrow. And you shall say, we will not ride on horse, nor go on foot. Carry us in our boat. And you shall be carried in your boat. All right? Okay. So kind of like putting a bunch of... requests. Yeah, yeah. But she said, you guys won't... We're going to honor you. We're going to parade you (laughs) in. These guys are going to bring in big old long sticks or whatever. They're going to lift your boat up, all my servants. And they're going to carry you guys to meet me. Don't even leave your boat. All right. Yeah, I know. So, sure as shit, the next morning, the queen kept her word, and the people demanded to be carried. Her people carried them into the, uh, into Kiev, and rose, uh, right into town, right into a trench that the queen had demanded to be dug the night, that night. And she had them buried alive on the boat while asking if, and inquired whether they found the honor to their taste. <laughs> so she buried them alive, all right? Not missing a beat, she decided then to send a message back to the Delvians, saying, or the Drevlins, saying, hey, 
your distinguished men, please send your distinguished men to us in Kiev so that way we can do, uh, might go to their prince with due honor, saying like, hey, they didn't say anything about killing the first 20 guys. And she's like, hey, I think you should send some of your more important people to me. Like, the best men who govern the land. You should send them to me so that way when I return to your kingdom, it'll be with distinguished guests. Yeah. Well, when the men arrived, she encouraged them to go to her bathhouse, telling them that once they had a chance to freshen up from their journey, they could join her for a feast in their honor. The moment that they had entered the bathhouse, she had the doors locked and burnt the building down to the ground. Two of her two, all right? Still not satisfied, she sends a third messenger to the Drevlins. Now, the Drevlins have no idea what's going on. They think they're doing well. Because she, like, has not hinted at all that she's doing this. So, she said, what I want is for you guys to prepare great quantities of mead in the city where you've killed my husband. That I may weep over his grave and hold a funeral funeral feast for him. The Drevlins, not knowing what happened to the first two parties were excited for their plan to be working. So they prepared the city for her arrival. And when she arrived at her husband's tomb, she did grieve and she did feast. But she also invited the Drevlins to come and enjoy the the party too. Her men did not drink. Because in the middle of the night, after the Drevlins were pretty darn liquored up, she had 500 of them, or not 500, 5,000 of them slaughtered. All right? When she was done with that, she decided that she was going to go back to her kingdom, pick up more troops, and she was on a fucking mission. All right? They were advancing to this, the direction of a town called uh, Iskroos. Oh, I can't do it. <laughs> a town. I'm gonna, it's a town. It's a town. A town. <laughs> it's the city where her husband was actually killed, where they actually tore him in half. All right? When she got, she was conquering villages all along the way, kind of like taking out the empire and just taking over. You're in our, pay tribute now. We're going to kill off some of you, pay tribute now, you know, kind of just working her way to that city. When she got there, she laid siege. Lasted a year. A whole year, they were able to keep her army at bay. She finally sent them a message because she was like, this is terrible. She's like, why do you persist in holding out? All your cities have surrendered to me and submitted to tribute so that the inhabitants now cultivate their fields and their lands in peace. But you had rather die of hunger without submitting a tribute? Hearing this, the people were eager to submit and not be killed. But she told them that she was she was done with all the killing. She's like, no, no, I won't kill you. I am done. I have killed a lot of your people. <laughs> I, you know, I My just bad. want you guys to submit and just give me what you owe me. All right. They were like, well, I don't know. She said, you know what? Here's, here's what I want from you. Keep your money. Keep your food, what you have left. Give me three pigeons and three sparrows from every household. That's all I've request. Weird request. Yeah. So they agreed to it because, you know, they were running low on everything. Supply a year is a long time. Oh, yeah. Sieges aren't pretty. No. So when they did that, they gave her all of the the pigeon or three pigeons and three sparrows. Well, that night, the queen had her men tie pieces of cloth to the pigeon's legs and the sparrow's legs and put uh, little bits of sulfur 
tied to the other end. She lit the sulfur on fire and set the pigeons and the sparrows free. Pigeons and sparrows are nesters. They stay in their home. If you raised a pigeon, that thing's coming back to your home. Yeah. So she, it eventually led to every building in the entire kingdom, in that entire city, being lit on fire from the roof. And there was no way to stop it. And then she had stationed her men outside of the village to either kill or enslave anybody escaping. Whoa. Anybody that was left, they then needed to pay a new tribute to her for protection. They took their <laughs> slaves and then murdered, and that was that was the end of it. She finally, finally felt revenge <laughs> like at Jesus. He was so, done. Why did she become a saint? <laughs> ah! <laughs> We're not there yet. Because <laughs> this doesn't sound very saint. Oh, I know, I know. It sounds like the mob going, <laughs> I mean, that that was kind of the world at the time, but still. Yeah, like, but creative, too. Like, they... they I give her points for creativity. <laughs> and they were dicks. They, they ripped her husband in half. But her husband was pulling up and saying that whole, uh... Yeah, yeah give be, me money. Be a shame if something happened to this here. <laughs> <laughs> you, you gotta give us money, otherwise what would they do, you know? Or we could then come and beat you up. So... Queen Olga went on to rule the Kievan uh, Rus for many years and was able to keep the crown until she was ready to give it to her son, despite, like, people trying to, like, marriage proposals and, like, any kind of, like, uh, uprisings or anything like that. She was able to just maintain her rule for many, many years. And um, before she died, so after the revenge and before she died, she traveled to Constantinople. Okay. Uh, otherwise known as Istanbul. <laughs> I know. As soon as, said, as soon as I, anytime I hear Constantinople or Istanbul, and Oof. she met uh, the Emperor Constantine the Seventh. All right, he was so enamored by her intelligence and her leadership and her history that he was determined to convert her to Christianity. All right, okay. and he said that if she she was worthy. Of him sharing the, the, of sharing Constantinople with. Like, he was interested in even marriage, okay? okay? So he wanted to marry her, but he wanted her to convert, uh... Yeah, yeah. Well, she agreed, but after her baptism, the emperor summoned Olga and made known to her that he wished her to become his wife. But she replied, how can you marry me after yourself baptizing me and calling me your daughter? For among Christians, it is unlawful, as you yourself must know. Then the emperor said, Olga, you have outwitted me. He gave her many gifts of gold, silver, silks, and various vases, and demissed her, still calling him, or still calling her his daughter. So she kind of like... She played him. She played him. But they do have a hard time believing if this story is 100% true, or if it's just been in a little bit embellished because the whole fact that he was just like, oh, you outsmarted yeah, me. it is, it you is know, a little like, cheesy. So, um, when, like I said, she tried to convert her son to Christianity, he didn't go into it, but her grandson, Vladimir, did change uh, Russia and start the whole Eastern Orthodox Russian uh, Catholic kind of faith. But um, her son was pretty respectful in the fact that even though he didn't believe her faith, he respected by not killing Christians. 
and by giving her a funeral, a Christian funeral, instead okay. of a pagan one, which is what they were originally. So, I mean, right. it was it's kind of a story that although he didn't convert, he was still respectful of his mother. And then he ruled until his, his son took over. Um, for a while, you could actually have visited her tomb, but it was destroyed in, two, in uh, 1240 uh, A.D. by Mongolian Tartar ar- armies. Damn Mongolians! Oh, no. <laughs> they pulled through and, oh man. She, um, in 1547, she became a saint. And I think it's just because she brought Christianity to okay. Russia. But no, like that. She was a... And uh, I couldn't really care much OG beyond gangster. that whole thing. Like, what led up to that is what I was like, holy crap. Like, Russia's been known to put out some pretty gnarly... Badass people. I would watch that in a movie. Yes, yes. And so, like, the fact that she had... And there's still monuments and uh, churches all still set up, dedicated to her. She is considered, like I said, equal to an apostle. Which apostles in the Christian faith are the ones that were best buddies with Jesus, right? So, I mean, they were kind of like the elites. Yeah, and I think part of it, too, is... Well, I think why you'd make that comparison is, like, the uh, spreading of Christianity. Like, that's what yeah. they were ultimately responsible for it and so she brought it to that that the eastern reaches yes so i mean take that as you will i just still think that was pretty freaking badass on how she was like no i really loved my husband that i was forced to marry as a minor you know like (laughs) and when you killed him i was just gonna take out all the sadistic things in my life and just kill you all yeah, I don't know. It's all pretty good. That boat thing, like, that's pretty cool. I thought they were going to, like, burn it or something, but buried alive. Buried alive. Buried. Have they ever excavated this boat? I don't know, to be honest. Probably but, I mean, not. if they, I mean. I want to know if that was real. They find, like, 20 skeletons just all huddled <laughs> together under, a, like, decayed little bits of wood. And that it's might not be really disturbing a grave. They didn't want to, It was not a respectful burial. Well, <laughs> interesting enough, with the uh, current situation, uh, depending on when this uh, podcast comes out with Ukraine and everything, that capital area is where it would happen, so maybe, hopefully not, but shelling in the city might even uncover some of that stuff and unearth it, because it is that historical site, and, you know, the Russians maybe. can be a little brutal. I mean, if if it was already a road, they, they had to, like, probably tunnels dig and, and dig it up sewage and it was, systems yeah. and stuff. Who knows? Now, now I want to go find out if they found that thing. Anyway. Yeah, yeah, I just thought she was pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> That's Well, thank think. you. That was fun. That was informative. <laughs> I, uh, I know, yours are always so positive or like something lighthearted, and then I'm like, death, destruction, yeah, evil. Right. And now, yeah, now I'm going to have to kind of keep it, keep it light because you can't have a total downer of an episode. Just let me know in advance. I'll switch it All up. Right, I'll, I'll find I'll something happier. I'll tell you in advance if I'm doing something dark. Okay. <laughs> Paul, we don't want to ruin your guys' day. Paul's dead wasn't totally uh, uh, d- uh, lighthearted. No, but it but wasn't it as was bad Beatles, as, Al- as Albert yeah, Fish. You, then you followed up with Albert Fish, and that was... Um, you guys should check out that podcast if you haven't already. That was a good one. <laughs> All right, well, thank you, everybody. Thanks for listening. Yeah, thank you, guys. See you next time. Yep, bye-bye. For any questions or comments, you can find us at Inc. On Instagram. Thank you.